0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're remembering the life of longtime Bates head baseball coach, William Chick Leahy. We look back at an undefeated week for the lacrosse programs, and we catch up with the baseball and rowing teams. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates Bates. My brother, my brother. This week, the Bates community remembers the life of William Chick Leahy, who passed away Saturday at the age of 90. A Lewiston native, Chick was a three-sport star at Lewiston High School who captained the football and baseball squads to state championships. He served with the U.S. Marines in the Pacific during World War II, played professional baseball in the Yankees farm system for two seasons, then earned a Bates degree in economics and a master's degree in physical education from Columbia University. At Bates, his baseball teams, won 300 games, including the 1976 ECAC title. He's a member of the Auburn Lewiston Sports Hall of Fame and the Maine Baseball Hall of Fame. And in 1990, the college's baseball field was named in his honor. He was inducted into the Bates Scholar Athlete Society in 2011 for upholding lifelong values of sportsmanship and competition and for lifelong commitment to the development of scholar athletes. In 2014, Leahy's baseball jersey number 11 was retired. We talked with Andy Carmen, class of 1985, who was a catcher for Coach Leahy about the life and legacy of the man they called Chick.
1: Coach Leahy, quite simply, you know, was, was one of the guys that recruited me and a few other guys uh, back in 81, 82 in debates. We were fortunate enough to have a couple of uh, strong teams during the early 80s with Chick. And I will tell you, Chick for us was the skipper. He really was our captain and really embodied the spirit of that team. And, you know, just fundamentally, we ended up, Probably having a mix of talent, I would say, Aaron, over the years. Chick just found a way to get the best out of us. We beat a lot of teams over the years that had a lot more talent than we did. What kind of motivational tactics would he, would he use sometimes that may be on you? Well, I would, <laughs> great question. Chick, well, you know, great guy, great sense of humor off the field. When you step foot on, on the field, practice or game, you couldn't tell the difference. He was, uh, he was game day serious, and that did not change you know, through the entire nine innings. You know, for me, uh, you know, there was uh, there was many instances. Uh, you know, I was his catcher for three and a half years. Um, you know, where uh, you know, given my proximity to the position, I got an earful. You know, game in, game out. Uh, if we were doing something wrong, I will tell you the, the, the probably the, the best anecdote that we had from Chick that applied over the years was Chick had a saying when we were doing drills or in the game of getting quote and I put some quotes you know, our, your wicked package together. And what he meant by package was getting your act together, whether you were, you know, at the plate hitting and, and what you were doing in that instance from a, from a technique as well as just mental attitude. He was all mental attitude. Or it meant your package in the field, fielding, or even if you're on the mound. You know, for us, it was always getting the wicked package together on any given moment, any given day, any given season. For us, though, the real takeaway, even though Chuck Chick didn't say this, it was really an anecdote for life, and I think you know he always reminded us that no matter what situation you're in, you know, down zero and two, bases loaded, what have you, you know, you got to dig down deep inside and and you got to find a way to get your act together.
0: Nice, and yeah, I know uh, Chick played a little bit in the Yankee system before he uh, came to Bates and whatnot. Did he ever talk about his playing days when he coached, or did he kind of ignore that?
1: Rarely, I will tell you. We all knew, but we had to ask and find out, and we found out through. Just another you know, you know, revered coach of ours, Bob Flynn, uh, who's still obviously very involved with Bates. And, and between Coach Flinney and, and, and Coach Leahy, we both know the experience those guys had, but you know, it was not something they wore in their sleeves at all. They were very, very astute with respect to who we were playing. And really, I think every year they adjusted the strategy based on <laughs> the set of skills of the poor souls that he, they, had, they had inherited for that given year. Uh, myself included. So I think uh, their, their past didn't, didn't factor into our future. Let me put it that way. Uh, they worked, I will tell you, we worked really hard. They worked with each of us one-on-one. And, uh, and again, I would say that Chick was all about, um, it wasn't all about winning, but, boy, did we hate to lose.
0: And I know um, you were part of that great offensive team in in the 80s, uh, 84, I believe it was. Um, Talk a little bit about that team, what made that team so special in particular.
1: Well, one thing that Chick did is if we were doing something right, he would cut loose and just let us keep doing it, whether that was on the mound. We had a great pitching staff, uh, particularly that year. Uh, Those guys were just rock solid, and I can say that definitively I received all of them uh, for all the games. They, They were accurate as hell. They kept the score down, and I will tell you, you know, you talk about, you know, good offense uh, supplanting and, and, and supporting, you know, a great pitching outlet. It's the other way around. And so that year we were blessed with, um, we had a strong lineup uh, and we were, we were three or four deep. And I will tell you um, we had one of our best hitters from the previous season, a 350 hitter who didn't even hit for us that year uh, in 84 because we needed his arm on the mound. and, you know Chick just cut us loose if we were hitting away he was he would play situational if he needed to and he and we practiced situational baseball all the time you know we would we would you know we had great players like uh, Jim Sylvia that would drag bunt somebody in from third base and we had a lot of speed on the base paths between the Marocca brothers et cetera. so we had a lot of of talent that we could move around but if we were hitting Chick would just give us the green light on the first pitch he rarely uh, unless it was a real tough situation, we, were not, uh, we would rarely take pitches. He was not a big advocate. He was a big advocate of on base percentage, without a doubt. And so he would, you know, he, if he gave us a green light on the first two pitches and we missed him, we were 0 2, we sure as hell better find a way to get to first. And uh, in that season we did. And, you know, there were a bunch of us, you know, John Gregorio, myself, and, uh, and what have you, that we were allowed to tee off. Um, I had one of my best seasons ever, uh, Aaron, in 1984. But I'll tell you, I batted fifth, mm-hmm. if that tells you anything.
0: Yeah, it says a lot definitely about that offense. And I know you were able to come back for when they retired as jersey number 11 a few years back. What was that like to come back? I know you're very plugged into mm-hmm. campus. What was it like to come back for that ceremony?
1: Oh, it was special for us. We were all thrilled for, for Chick and for Ruth, his wife. Um, you know, he so deserves that. Uh, and did deserve that. And, and you know, again, he, you know, people forget that, you know, Chick was the uh, the backfield coach um, mm-hmm. uh, on defense for the football team for, for many, many years. He coached myself and many others. You know, Pete Wyman played both uh, baseball and football alongside me, uh, Terry Fennessey and a few others. And so Chick was, was our uh, uh, defensive back coach for years as well. So that was a thrill, you know, to do that at the same time that we kicked off and inaugurated the, the new batting cage just to see what, coach leonard is doing up there is, is just terrific i know chick was thrilled and uh and over the years i will say that you know primarily through ruth his wife you know chick has kept in touch with most of us uh individually and it's been it's been wonderful to get those cards from time to time and you know we feel connected to chick and it just incredibly saddened uh with his loss and um you know it's it's a it's a real empty space, let me put it that way, certainly in my own personal, um, you know, uh, situation in life, but I know many, many others as well as the college.
0: Yeah, you and you touched on his wife, Ruth, and everything. So what was a chick like off the field, I suppose, and the interactions you had with him, even during
1: college and afterwards? He was terrific, you know, and I will tell you that uh, – you know, Chick himself was, 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 for example, not a pitcher. So, you know, we all were under an illusion that he was focusing more of us on the field and, and, you know, at the plate. But I will tell you that he had a wonderful relationship with all of us, but in particular the pitching core. If you talk to, you know, Jay Spinelli, if you talk to Billy Carlezon, John Anderson, Steve Whetstone, they'll tell you that uh, when you got Chick off the field, you know, even post our graduation dates, it was all about us you know, how are we doing? He, he, you know, and and Chick could size you up an individual. He could size an individual pretty quickly. And so we were always, you know, Chick's guys, one of Chick's, uh, Chick's crew. Once you, once you passed his test and, you know, he put you on the, on the play card, uh, you felt you were part of a a very special fraternity. And uh, we didn't talk much about past games. It was all about uh, really present what's going on within our families and uh you know chick uh, chick got to know our families over the years, you know certainly you got to meet our parents during games during seasons, before seasons we played there and tracked us afterwards and was very supportive for some of us that wanted to play beyond you know to to help and support in, in those efforts however he could
0: well Andy, I really appreciate your time. do you have any other thoughts on uh, chick before we let you go?
1: No, just uh you know, I, I you know I wish I had a chance to you know it was great to see him last fall and we never thought that that would have been, been goodbye, but uh, really want to thank him and Ruth in particular for all of their support, not just to us individually uh, and to our lives, but really to, to Bates College overall and to, and to the Fighting Bobcats, and I'll leave it at that, Aaron.
0: All right, Andy Carmen, thanks so much. Visiting hours are Friday with services on Saturday. For more information, visit athletics.bates.edu. The men's lacrosse team tallied a narrow 14-13 victory over Keene State on Wednesday. The nail-biter went down to the wire and left head coach Peter Lasagna breathing a sigh of relief. My evaluation
2: of the performance was that the game went, unfortunately, exactly as I predicted it would go. Uh, We know how good they are, um, how high-scoring they are, how dangerous they are in transition, and how hard they play. And uh, that's why we want them on our schedule. That's why it's a great regional game for us. And uh, we were just damn fortunate that we put one more in than they did.
0: Had to bring in the backup keeper. What happened there?
2: Uh, Joe Ferrier hurt his ankle on Saturday against Trinity. Trinity hasn't practiced for the last couple of days. Was very sort of iffy. Going in, got cleared to play, uh, but just clearly was not 100%. And uh, Mitchell Drake has been practicing fantastically and and, uh, I wanted to give him an opportunity. I thought it gave us a good chance.
0: And the last play down there by a net, pretty nerve wracking, right? Oh, you think with (laughs) me
2: seeing that pass for 25 yards, heading right to a Keene State, open Keene State's check. uh, Yeah, our guys like to make sure that I don't live to see 60.
0: Senior Jack Allard scored the game-winning goal with only 17 seconds left in regulation.
2: At that time, the, the clock was running down and we gave it to Charlie Fay and we wanted him to you know, take his short stick. We knew they were shutting him off with of that. When he didn't have it, we moved it around a couple times and when Andrew Melvin threw to me, I ran right at it because I knew that my defenseman would be a little off off his feet. So they slid slowly and I knew I just had to take a shot. There was about you know 16 seconds left uh, and I was lucky enough. I think it hit the goalie's head and then went in. I mean, at, at the low to high I was working on him, t- on him today. So uh,
0: I knew that was the the shot I had to take. On Saturday, the men's lacrosse team beat Williams 11-8, giving the Bobcats a record of 7-1 on the year and giving the Bates senior class a win over every NESCAC school during their time in Lewiston. Junior Sam Francis led the way by winning 16 of 23 face-offs and tallying a game-high six ground balls. For his efforts... Francis is our male bobcat of the week.
3: The wings started off playing great. Um, There was a couple ground balls in the beginning that were 50-50 ground balls and Ken O'Friel and Matt Proto and Burke Smith and all. Everyone who comes out, they all swooped him up and that gave me some confidence and then by the end of the game I was able to win him to myself and I don't know, things just got rolling.
0: Yeah, watching that game, I feel like you play football too, linebacker. A lot of your football experience (laughs) applies to lacrosse, doesn't
3: it? Yeah, it's it definitely helps. Uh, It's a physical game. Um, A lot of reaction time and kind of reading the play helps a lot and just a lot of a lot of carryover from sport to sport
0: and i mean like they're at the face off like the collision (laughs) impact factor too right
3: yeah it's very similar um uh, i think i'm a lot more physical than some of the kids i run into there's a couple other kids in the league who take faceoffs who also play football so we get we get pretty familiar
0: that's interesting so is there any trash talk going around the football field and lacrosse field Uh
3: (laughs) not too much now but we definitely know who each other are
0: (laughs) Sure, absolutely. And then obviously, um, as a student-athlete as well, one of the top 10 GPAs on the football team, how do you find the time to balance football, lacrosse, and your double major? Yeah, uh,
3: it's it's difficult, but I actually feel like I do better in-season than I do out-of-season just because the schedule kind of keeps everything structured. Um, there's the three weeks before Christmas break that I'm actually not in season. Uh, I kind of feel like I slip a little when it comes to academics because I have too much free time, but um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but there's a, uh, Kyle Weber on the lacrosse team is also a double major, and we take a lot of the same classes, so he kind of keeps me in line, and I keep him in line. And it works out.
0: Sure, absolutely. And then for you, what are you double major, majoring in and whatnot?
3: Uh, math and Economics.
0: Okay, okay. So you're looking to go into finance or Oh
3: uh, Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I probably do a lot of places uh, for this summer. I'm actually going to go out to California and work for a startup lacrosse company and do sort of marketing and accounting and stuff for them out there.
0: Gotcha. And then growing, growing up in Massachusetts, uh, what attracted you here to Bates out of high school? Uh,
3: I actually met Coach Lasagna when I was 13. He was friends with my dad. Uh, my dad played for him when he was the general manager for the Boston Blazers. So when he, when I met him, I didn't even know what Bates was, and he kind of poked his head into our tent at the national championship at Foxborough, and uh, I met him there. And then uh, Coach Averill, football, one of the football coaches, I met him at uh, the Dartmouth football camp. And, uh, I don't know. It just worked out. Thank God I ended up here.
0: So <laughs> Were you recruited here to play both sports right away?
3: Uh, mostly football, um, but I couldn't make the decision coming out of high school which one I wanted to play. And my dad mentioned that, um, especially the NESCAC schools, you're able to play both. And he knew when I was being recruited by Coach Averill, um, he gave Coach uh, Lasagna a call. And he was like, yeah, tell him to come out. So I don't know if Coach Zandi ever saw me play for saw any film, but uh, I think he trusted my dad's judgment.
0: Do you talk often with the other two sport athletes here? Yeah, um, there's always been
3: three or four kids, at least while I've been here, that have played both football and the cross. So we've kind of um, kept close. I mean, this year there's Arthur Churchwell, Jack Merritts, and Max Bresci, and we all play football and the cross. And, and you hang out with people that often, you kind of become pretty close. So.
0: Sure, absolutely. And then you mentioned the only brief time before Christmas where you're not in season. So what is that transition like for you on the field from football to lacrosse in terms of your mentality, the workout regimen and whatnot?
3: I try and take those three or four weeks or whatever it is off, kind of rest my body, rest my mind, kind of think of other things so I don't lose my mind staying too focused all the time. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a time for me to kind of sit back and relax and um, Coach he always talks about he always wants me to rest longer than I do because I get kind of bored and restless and want to go do stuff. But um, it's definitely important that I take that time off. And then by the time I get home for Christmas break, I'll start working out there. Um, but definitely I'll start running more than trying to get stronger. I feel like I don't really need to get that much stronger to play lacrosse as opposed to football. That's what I'll do in the summer. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of rest, get healthy, and just get ready for the season starts. start because it comes around quick.
0: And obviously you've become the face-off guy here for the men's lacrosse team. Did you do that in high school also? That's when you picked up here.
3: Yeah, uh, I took um, all the face-offs in high school uh, until my senior year when I blew up my knee. And so then uh, I kind of worked with another kid to bring him up. But, uh, yeah, I took them all through high school. And then when I got here, there were two face-off guys ahead of me. And then last year when they both they both left, it was my time to step up and, yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent. So looking ahead, you got Hamilton this weekend at Hamilton. That's a, that's a long trip. Uh, what do you remember about them from last year and previous seasons? They have two
3: very, very good faceoff guys. Um, one of them is actually, I think he's top in the league right now. He's playing very, very well. Um, and their backup, well, we can call him a backup, but he's just as capable as the other one. And so that's going to be a good test, um, especially with the long trip up there. But. I don't know. I have confidence in my teammates and everyone else. I hope we hopefully we can get it done.
0: All right. Sam Francis, our male Bobcat of the week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The women's lacrosse team shined this past week as well, going on the road and beating Williams 14 to five. Senior Mariah Greenstein matched her career high with five goals and the Bobcats now have a record of seven and one on the season. Their best start since 1992. Greenstein's performance earns her the honor of being our female Bobcat of the week. It was close for a while, and then you guys just ran away with it in the second half. What changed in that game?
4: I think the draw control of that game was really important. Um, Getting possession off that draw is um, really what swings the momentum of the game, and um, our center, Camille Bellatate, she did a great job that second half, and that really helped us just keep putting those goals in, so that really helped us out.
0: As one of the senior co-captains, the 7-1 and one star, I mean, how gratifying is this? It must be pretty awesome, right?
4: Yeah, we're all super excited. Um, I know we haven't had this good of a record in a really long time, so I think we just want to keep pushing that um, number up, hopefully 8-1 and one tomorrow, um, and keep going the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, midweek non-conference game coming up against Southern Maine on Tuesday, and then another conference game against Hamilton. Two home games, though. That must be nice, right?
4: Yeah, hopefully we'll get some good weather this week.
0: (laughs) And and obviously, lacrosse, sometimes the weather can be a a little cold, but it seems like it's it's cooperated so far this year a little bit.
4: Yeah, this has definitely been the best weather season for me at my four years at Bates. Um, I mean, we've had some 60-degree games, not too much snow, so we're all so excited about that. And what are some of the biggest differences you've
0: seen with this team as opposed to the made the previous three years when you were here?
4: Um, I think we have definitely a lot of leadership. We have ten seniors um, all contributing to our game and um, our underclassmen, freshmen, sophomores have really um, gone under the wing of a lot of our upperclassmen, which has really helped get everyone on board and into the season as quickly as we started.
0: You had five goals against William. what was working for you out there specifically?
4: Um, I think we had, we had a lot of assists in that game, and so I've got to give my teammates credit. They whipped the ball around, um, had some nice feeds into the middle of the eight, and like I said earlier, a lot of them were fast breaks off those draws, so it was really from the midfield down.
0: Yeah, and then lacrosse as a whole, the men's team and the women's team, both having a lot of success. That must be pretty cool, right?
4: Yeah, we're really excited. It's quite the uh, competition between us and the boys so <laughs> far, so We'll see how that goes. I
0: assume there's, you know, you guys talk to each other and whatnot about the seasons and whatnot. What's those conversations been like?
4: Um, I think we're just really excited for each other. Um, we're both seven and one. Um, obviously, the boys did really well last year, so um, we're really excited to be up and competing with them as well.
0: You're a senior now, but let's t- take it back a while back when you were first being recruited. What made you decide to come to- here to Bates?
4: um i actually bates was the only school i applied to um i applied ed1 and i visited when my brother was touring a couple of years earlier and i just fell in love with the school and it was the one i've always liked since so that's really it and obviously no regrets right <laughs> no regrets no I'm very excited happy with my decision
0: all right what are you most looking forward to for the rest of the year what are some of your personal goals what are some of the team goals
4: I think team goals, uh, definitely consistency, and we talk about being a second-half team, which we obviously really worked on this past weekend. Um, So I think we can just work on that and keep playing our best every game is really what we're looking for.
0: All right, Mariah Greenstein, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The men's and women's rowing teams competed against some Division One opponents to start the year at the Murphy Cup. And we caught up with co-captain Emma Taylor to recap the weekend. Well, Emma, the Murphy Cup over the weekend. Uh, first of all, you went there last year. How did this year compare to the previous year?
5: Well, this year was a lot more um, organized than last year was. Last year we really were just trying to get the water time just because it was so cold. This year we had some time to prepare and we had a lot of time on the water beforehand to really understand where we were, so it was our results were incredible this year Um, so that was a big change also the weather was awesome so it was just it was a good race and a good weekend all around
0: I know the first varsity eight you guys won your opening heat right what was that like
5: (laughs) that was one of the most incredible races I've ever been a part of we raced really well it was awesome to defeat these teams and in the heat we kind of went in it saying like just race in the afternoon just get there Um, and we won and it was amazing
0: yeah, I mean, when you're up against those Division One teams, I mean, do you look over at the other women? I mean, and just think to yourself, they're not any better than us, really.
5: <laughs> well, in our heat was Navy, and I know I was thinking beforehand, like, these women are incredibly trained athletes and just people in general. So um, I knew that they were going to be strong competition, but knowing that and knowing that we, we're, we're fast, <laughs> um, and we were able to compete with them. So. Knowing they're D1 kind of gives them sort of an edge, but it also gives us a little bit more push to say like we can be better. Like we may be D3, but we're not knocked down. We're not bad.
0: Right, and is it kind of refreshing, because you are, I mean, it is a D3 powerhouse here at Bates, obviously, national champs and everything, so is it kind of refreshing to actually play sort of an underdog role sometimes?
5: Kind of. <laughs> um, it's, as any underdog will tell you, it kind of fuels you a little bit to think that you can't do something. I know that if people say, like, you can't, then people are automatically come back and say, yeah, we can, right. and we're going to show you, and we're going we're gonna to beat them, and we are going to be the best.
0: What's upcoming this week for you guys?
5: So this week we'll be racing Simmons, the MIT Lightweights, and possibly the Harvard Lightweights as well.
0: And have you competed against the Harvard
5: Lightweights? before? We have not. This will be our first chance to. Um, it'll be a great race because they are obviously incredible athletes um and incredible rowers at harvard but it should be it should be a very good race
0: now as part of the women's team how much do you get a focus how much do you pay attention to what the men are doing because obviously they're at the same event as you were
5: oh a lot um because we practice with them we row with them we we consider ourselves part of a big team so seeing their successes and seeing their failures we feel them just the same so they did their they did very well this weekend as well. Their second varsity boat was in the grand finals. Um, they, they really showed some strong racing, so we are just as proud as them.
0: Uh, we're talking here on a Monday, a little rainy today, but you told me you're still gonna be practicing. So what's it like to practice kind of in the rain sometimes?
5: Sometimes it's actually the best water um, because it's not as windy. Um, the rain really calms the water down. So it's cold and as rainy as you get, it's, it's really nice. Um, the water's like glass and that's always the best conditions to row in. So sometimes it's the best.
0: All right, excellent. Well, looking forward to the rest of the season. Thanks so much for the update. Thank you very much. The men's rowing team finished a combined 13 and 13 at the Murphy Cup. Co-captain Jamie Nasso joined the Bobcast to look back at the men's team's performance at the first regatta of the spring season. Well, Murphy Cup over the weekend. Jamie, first of all, tell us how it compared to the previous year for you.
2: Yeah, so this year actually went a lot better for all three crews that actually attended. Uh, last year the two boats that actually went did not make it to uh, the Grand or even the Petite final. And this year, we had two boats um, placed top five in the Grands, and one boat um, placed second in the Petite. So compared to last year, it was a huge success.
0: Yeah, I know because last year, you were kind of battling the weather this year, not as much, right?
2: No, the weather was actually uh, amazing. A lot of the uh, rowers actually got sunburned, which um, which actually was uh, great, we got some color in us. But last year, uh, the weather was Brutal. It was in the low 30s, really windy, but yeah, this year it was it was totally different. He really good.
0: And then I know the Schuylkill River is pretty famous. So what was that like to to row on such a famous river for you know for rowing essentially?
2: Yes, I never actually rode there before, and it was really cool to check out. Um, it's an interesting course because during the uh, the first thousand meters, um, you pass a bridge. And that bridge signifies a turn in the race. And usually most 2,000-meter courses don't have turns in the race. So it really puts um, a lot of pressure um, on the coxswain to steer well. And fortunately, we have great coxswains in our team, so they did a great job steering.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're, when, you're, when you're rowing yourself and the coxswains are steering you guys and whatnot, what, what are you listening to them from? What, what, how do you take direction from them, basically?
2: Right. Um, so when they're actually steering, it's not so much... That they're talking to us. It's more they're internalized and focusing on what they need to do. Um, I think as a boat, we know uh, we know what to do when the cox is not talking to us. So it's more of just staying together, staying composed, and making, letting, uh, making sure that we trust the coxswain is doing what he or she needs to do.
0: Sure, absolutely. And then, well, what do you have coming up this weekend?
2: Yeah, so this weekend we're actually heading down to Boston to race uh, Boston College, uh, UConn, and Harvard Lightweights, which uh, is actually really exciting. We've never actually raced uh, the Harvards before, Harvard Lights before, so it should be a really fun race. Yeah,
0: those are some big schools. I mean, that's challenging yourself early in the schedule, right?
2: Yeah, totally. And uh, actually, in the Murphy Cup, we raced some D1 teams, and we actually did pretty well against them, so we're really excited about that, um, having a race this early in the season really allows us to see where we are with other crews and like I said earlier um, us this year us right now compared to last year we've uh, improved so much so we can only you know go up from here as far as the rest of the season goes
0: sure absolutely now academically the uh, Mount David uh, summit coming up here this Friday Uh, what do you have in it
2: yeah um, so I'm a biological chemistry major and I'll be presenting a poster on my thesis research which is looking at a molecular based assay to further and better uh, diagnose malaria. Um, I won't talk about it more because I'm afraid I might lose some of my audience members geeking <laughs> out too hard.
0: Fair enough. I guess the hardest part's over. You got the poster done and everything?
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually just submitted it, so it's a nice uh, weight off my shoulders.
0: All right, well, big weekend coming up, the Mount David Summit, and then another um, you know, regatta for you guys. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Aaron. The baseball team traveled to Salem State for a doubleheader on Saturday and came away with a split. They dropped Game One, one to nothing, despite an outstanding performance from Connor Colombo on the mound. But in Game Two, the Bobcats bounced back, getting a great outing from sophomore Connor Speed in a five to one victory. Speed went the distance, striking out seven along the way. Talking some Bates baseball here on the Bobcats with Connor Speed, winning pitcher against Salem State this past weekend, uh, Game Two of the doubleheader. First of all, complete game for you, obviously seven innings in the doubleheader. What was really working for you out there on the mound?
6: Well, I mean, it started off early in the game, I guess. I kind of just really felt like I was in the zone. Uh, like my, all my pitches were working. I was able to put my uh, changeup where I wanted it, my slider where I wanted it. Everything was just working real well.
0: Excellent. Then obviously you have a different motion. You don't throw overhand, per se. You throw more sidearm three quarters. How did you develop that?
6: Um, actually, like back in high school, I was a catcher until like my sophomore year. <clears throat> and I just kind of started fooling around with it one day and – it just kind of developed into what it is now. yeah.
0: And it gets you a lot of strikeouts, doesn't it? I mean, because you're not maybe overpowering per se, but you're deceptive, right?
6: Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Colombo throws harder than I do, and <laughs> but I try and get him with the movement and keep him guessing, you know, with different movement of pitches. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm curious because you're, you're a sophomore here at Bates. Last year you had a very good first year, obviously, on the team. But how did you come up here to Maine? Because you're from California, so mm-hmm. how did that develop?
6: Well, I mean, when I was doing my college process, I was, like, really wanting to go East Coast. And I was looking at schools like Brown, uh, University of Rhode Island, Salve Regina. And I came up on a visit to Bates, loved it, and literally committed the second I landed back in San Diego.
0: Nice. Yeah, literally from the southwest part of the country up here to the northeast. Yeah, as far as you can get. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I mean, it must be nice to have that California trip every year, though, right?
6: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's nice. Like my family always comes out. I always have a huge little fan section. You know, my aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. It's pretty cool going out there in the in the early in the season. You know.
0: Yeah, and the team so far this year, 6-8, and eight, same start as last year, basically, 6-8 mm-hmm. through 14 games last year also. What do you know about this year's team? How does it compare so far to last year's team, in your opinion?
6: Well, this year we have, we're real deep in pitching. We have um, me, Colombo, Telesca as our weekend guys right now, but we also have guys like Chris Ward and Rob DeFranco who are lights out at, at, at the back end of our bullpen, and it's just real nice to have that depth in pitching.
0: Yeah, and then obviously uh, in the game against Salem State, you the team fell behind one nothing, but the offense picked it up at that point. Um, I don't know if it's nice for you as a pitcher to see that run support get you five runs there, right?
6: Yeah, it, w- it was nice to just go out there and, like, relax and just make my pitches. And it also really helped that my defense literally put on a show. It was amazing to watch and it was real fun to pitch.
0: And, yeah, in doubleheaders it's seven innings as opposed to nine innings in normal games. Mm-hmm. As a pitcher, does that change much in terms of your mentality? Are you, get, are you are you going for that complete game basically every time?
6: Well, in the, in the seven inning games, like uh, me and me and Connor uh, Colombo always talk like we're, we only need two pitchers today. Like let's do that, and it, it, it's definitely a different mental approach because, like you you, you want to go the full you want to you want to go the distance, you know, and and you're able to like put more effort into your pitches just because you know it's only seven rather than nine, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, this weekend, exciting because it's the home opener, finally, right, yeah. um, coming in. So what are you most looking forward to about NESCAC play in particular?
6: Well, NESCAC play is unlike any other. Every every game seems like it's real close and just a nail-biter and intense, and especially Tufts this weekend. Like, uh, <clears throat> you know, like t- uh, we lost uh, the series last year to Tufts. We're looking for revenge this year. We want to, you know, sweep them just because I know we can. We got the pitching. We got the hitting. Uh, this is our year to do it.
0: All right, looking forward to it. Connor Speed, thanks so much.
6: Thank you. This is a very busy
0: week of Bates sports coming up. The 13th-ranked women's lacrosse team hosts Southern Maine on Tuesday at 4.30 and Hamilton on Saturday at noon. Meanwhile, the 7th-ranked men's lacrosse team visits Hamilton on Saturday for a 1 o'clock game. The baseball team hosts Tufts in their first NESCAC series and their first home series of the year a three-game set beginning on Saturday and finishing up on Sunday. Softball begins NASCAC play this weekend as well with a visit to Trinity. It's also the start of outdoor track and field season. The men and women head to the University of Maine on Saturday, and the rowing and tennis teams are in action as well. Go to athletics.bates.edu for the complete schedule. And of course, we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. cast